sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Wednesday, December 16th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez. And as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day. And we'll fundamentally put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And Kev, I got to tell you something, man. I'm done with this. I'm absolutely done with this, okay? We like to play chaos theories. We like to see you know who should move up how far should they move do they still have a chance we've been talking about it for months i will acknowledge that i am trying to get and advocate for the little guy right and we've been talking about how they want ohio state in well this is absolutely ridiculous okay here's what i now believe should happen kev i believe the sec should just have their own damn tournament the rest of the country should have their own damn tournament the winner of the sec tournament should just get an express fast pass to the championship to play one game against one worthy adversary because otherwise it is clear they will juke the stats to make the SEC teams look incredible. I mean, Kev, last I checked, we believed in Florida and Kyle Trask and what they were doing as a threat to Alabama. But remember what happened? It's the term I've been using for months, at least as far as I saw, when you lose to to a, a, a below 500 team in your conference at home, you know what you're supposed to do? Fall by the wayside. Unfortunately, though, that doesn't happen with SEC teams. Somehow, Kev, Florida's still in the top seven. Georgia moves up the four remain unchanged because you know they will generate amazing television ratings, and somehow the Bearcats fall a spot. What do you think, Kev? Good morning, by the way. Good morning to you. Uh, How lovely to be here on a Wednesday. I tell you this, Dan, there are always inconsistencies and issues and areas where you can find the committee being hypocrites. That is not new this year. It was there last year, the year before, and it'll be there next year. But what just happened with Florida is un- Believable. Unbelievable. And for those, and this is why I said the other week there should be somebody who actually bets on this committee so they understand the gravity of these situations. Please do not sell me on Florida lost to the defending national champions. No, they lost to a below 500 team that even after the win is still below 500 as well above three touchdown favorites in their own building unless Kyle Pitts is adding Patrick Mahomes-esque value I'm not sure I really understand the excuse Florida goes down one spot as somebody who watched the show live myself Joey Galloway David Pollock started to wonder 
where the hell is Florida? And oh, <laughs> they were seven. I thought it would have been more likely they fell out of the top 25, something LSU, Dane, hasn't sniffed since like week three of this season. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I like to try to compare, right? You know, Texas A&M was idle a bunch of times because of COVID, and they haven't dropped at all. Wisconsin was idle a few weeks. They dropped. Cincinnati was idle. They dropped. It's just ridiculous. Florida loses to a horrible team, and they drop one spot. Meanwhile, Coastal Carolina continues to get through. They have good wins on their schedule against BYU. All they can do is get to 12 as we, again, welcome in our radio audience, all of our affiliates. Thanks for getting up on the grid with us. We truly appreciate you getting the edge. But honestly, we can get Give you the edge but if the committee is just going to go throw some stuff against the wall anyway and just see if it sticks because obviously i mean kev georgia back in the top eight florida like four of the eight teams are in the sec and kev we were trying to figure out the the permutations right for some of these other candidacies right and it it just feels like a moot point to me. This is about getting out the best television show for the semifinals on New Year's Day. End of sentence. But but again, like, I almost feel like it's all set. Like Bama and Notre Dame, one thousand percent belong where they are. Right? Fine, fine. Clemson has been has been pretty sweet this year, and the game they did lose. Fine. Trevor Lawrence was not there. The Ohio State fine. situation is an absolute battle. Because the eye test, it, you think they are one of the four best teams in the country. They are unbeaten. That's fine. Like, and do we want to blame them for COVID? But this is something that I said to you the other day, and I've believed for a long time. We get to a certain point in the rankings, and I think the committee stops caring. I, I don't think they do this if we have an eight-team playoff. I don't think they think they See, can get away with this. But here's, here's the one thing, Dane, is what happened with this is – they're almost valuing head-to-head a little bit more. I stare. I mean, I stared at this and I asked myself, "How? How? How?" And then I went, "Oh, well, they they thought it was necessary to move Georgia in front of Cincinnati. That was important to them. So once they did that, oh well, well, Florida can't go down any further because they have a head-to-head win over Georgia." I mean, you think they're not thinking through it. You think they're not caring. I think they're caring a lot and purposely positioning in it for Florida so that they could still sniff four if they pull the upset. But I digress. We'll talk about it more. We'll give out our list when we come back. Race. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. And anybody who's been watching this show for the last few months understands and knows that I am all for the little guy and chaos theory, right? And sometimes over the last couple of months, have I advocated for things that I know is likely a little bit of a bridge too far in reality? Yes, but that's part of the perfect storm that is chaos theory. But as we look back after this one, Kev, I think there's real gripes, not only the Cincinnati Bearcats, but I know you think a team that's going to be that is undefeated, 
that has more than eight games played, that will be playing for a conference championship, oh, and by the way, has wins over two top 25 opponents, is yeah. also getting the short end of the stick to an even bigger degree, right, Kev? Yeah, I, I think Coastal Carolina is getting jobbed in a way that, that is completely out of this world. Like, when you look at the – and this is my thing. I understand – that is to say Coastal Carolina is one of the four best teams in college football is a very, very far bridge. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is them at 12 is outrageous. They have two top 25 wins. Do you know how many Georgia has? Zero. Not, not any. Not any. No matter how many times they try and slap Missouri at 25 last week to try and pretend that that team's any good, they got mm-hmm. obliterated because they're horrible, not because Georgia's that good. Georgia has no top 25 wins. Same as Cincinnati. They get in front of them. In, you know how many? Indiana's 6-1 and one and sits in front of Coastal because they lost to Ohio State by 7. What's Indiana's best win? Wisconsin? And where's Wisconsin? Where's Wisconsin? Wisconsin's been horrible. They were good for one game against Illinois, and then COVID put their season in tatters. Like, how is Coastal not in front of them? And then the biggest one, I'm not even dealing with Florida, is Iowa State. Because something, Dane, that I started to realize yesterday, and Reese Davis on the Reveal broadcast started to realize as well, is how outrageous Iowa State being at sixes compared to Louisiana at 19, the biggest lie the college football playoff committee ever told is that they look at the whole body of work. Louisiana is 9-1. and one. Their one loss to 12 Coastal Carolina with a win over Iowa State. But guess what for Coastal? Coastal beat Louisiana and beat BYU. Coastal has two top 20 wins. They have 11 wins, zero losses and check in at 12 i mean okay. from a resume and still could get the good old conference champion moniker yes. right although it'd be a and group I, of five but still right i understand it's the sunbelt conference and that's what i'm saying like this is my this is my gripe here and this is why and i understand what you're saying like no they care and they're purposely moving these teams out but it my thing is like if you put the screws to these people and i understand like you know again Reese Davis, he's really good at what he does. It's a tough job. Like, what's he going to do? He's going to take this guy Barcher to task? Like, no. Like, right. There's only so much he can do there. But you can't sit down. And this is why I've always said I love the college football playoff, but I hate it. Okay? It, there's this phrase, relentlessly rational. It's how I view myself. Because you need to explain things to me a thousand times. I have put Dane on phone calls. Oh, trust me. I know. Way too long <laughs> to get to rationale. And he goes, listen, sometimes it's not there. Well, that's what we're dealing with here. You can't come up with an excuse, a legitimate reason to say, yeah, Coastal's the 12th best team in the country. Because people will also say, sorry, I'm going on a, on a rainer, but people will try and say, yeah, but if Coastal was on a, on a neutral, who are you taking? Coastal can beat Iowa State. Coastal can beat Cincinnati, Indiana, undoubtedly. And guess what? After what I just saw from Florida, yeah, I'd give them a run for that. Georgia, who got beat around by Texas, yeah, I believe so. And UCF beat Auburn. So the idea that Coastal, who has the sixth best strength of record in the country is the sixth best team sounds plausible and they certainly should not be double that down the list i think it's a disgrace i think this ranking is a disgrace i don't like i usually get real like it is a disgrace if notre dame 
lost to UNC, who is the 15th team in the country. Notre Dame right. would have flew out of the top eight. Out of the top eight, Florida loses as a home three-touchdown favorite to LSU. And they go, eh, what are you going to do? Tough. Unbelievable. That's all right. They, they can find a way to get another SEC team in. Don't worry about it. They'll find a way to get, like, you know, Missouri or LSU into the top 25. Don't you worry about that. Kev, let's show them how it's done. Here's the way I would have done it, brother man. Here would have been my top 10, okay? If we could put that one up. Uh, the way I like it, sure. You know, I'll give you those top four, right? But then I would have Cincinnati. We've got Coastal Carolina. USC, our guy Joe Lisi continues to talk about USC. They are still still undefeated they have an opportunity to be a conference champion we know iowa state and oklahoma should still be involved in there we've talked about the candidacy of the eventual big 12 champion on this show yesterday how they may be able to find a way in but you see us we have usc and we have coastal carolina in and if you look at kevin's top 10 as well you know there's there's differences in terms of eight or nine or seven but again coastal is in his usc C is in his. He laments if he had a do-over, he would even put Coastal yeah. over Iowa State. But we are now getting to the point of the season where the gap is growing here between the uh, perception of two lost teams and the perception of these little brother undefeateds. But then, like you say, Kev, if you look at the entire body of work, you have cheat codes in there. You have little Easter eggs to try to figure it out. And the fact right. is, and I think the biggest one, you are correct, that Coastal beat Louisiana, but Louisiana was the upset win over now highly ranked Iowa State and kind of what that does to complicate the logic of how however you want to do it, that and the obvious slurping of the SEC, when you put it all together, it does not look like a fair shake for the little guy. And and here's the thing, right? So why does Cincinnati get jumped by Georgia? They say, well, we've not seen Cincinnati play in over a month or almost a, literally almost a full month. So yeah. it's a little bit of a, what have you done for me lately? You know what, Dane? I actually can understand that. If I've not seen a team, but what is Florida done for They should have done that previously. Yeah, fine. No, 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 no. And then they no, should have no. done that when A and M wasn't playing and, twice. And, but this is the I thing. hadn't seen this them for the a month. Dan, if I make you rank top twenty-five teams in the world every single yeah. week, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have to be a little hypocritical. It's gonna happen. What I can't yeah. have, what I can't have, is on the same ranking in a three-team window. You spit in my face. You can't right. tell me that Georgia gets to eight above unbeaten Cincinnati because it's a what have you done for me lately type of deal. And then Florida loses that football game and goes yep. down one spot. Why did they even move them down? Iowa State was idle. Right. I mean, why? Well, like, I guess the loss, the right? It was a no, loss. But that's the thing. Because they'll tell you, well, Georgia has the win over Florida. Oh, okay. So, well, Louisiana has has a win over Iowa State. So, what what are we doing right. then? So, but that, like you. that's the thing. The 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 hypocritical nature this week is so bad, so abundantly clear. It's indefensible, and it almost makes everything that we're doing annoying. Like honestly, this is why the ACC was good on them for canceling last week. 
It was a waste Protecting of time. Notre Dame and Clemson. We wasted our time yeah. with Florida playing LSU because the big question now, and you alluded to it at the top, if Florida beats Alabama, they need to be in in front of Alabama. Period. They do, I don't care what any, they need to be They're in. Not do it, they though. then are the they SEC champion. They are right, only the seventh team in the country. If seven beats one, that should be enough to get in front of them. And that's and that's part of why I think Florida didn't fall so low, right? Because I believe in their mind they needed to preserve that potential in case the upset happened, right? right? They couldn't do that with 10 beating one and getting all the way up. They needed to massage it so that they could keep the little boy out after the seven conference championship games that we think really, really matter. You know what Kevin thinks? You know what I think? When we come back, we go for the two find out what our college football expert Joe Lisi thinks. What does he think about the standings? What does he think about what we consider seven key conference championship games that will be happening this weekend and where the chips will fall? SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Big shout-out to all of our affiliates around the country, around the globe. Thanks for getting up on the grid early with us. And by the way, starting next year, make your New Year's resolution to get yourself Sirius XM and make a favorite channel, 204, so you can get the edge all the time with guys like me, the spitting statistician, the candle burner, Jared, Ariel, Gabe, and Cam. And if you care about college football, you need to go for the two with our next guest and friend of the show, Joe. Lisi, how you doing, brother man? Oh, I'm doing great, guys. Conference championships on the horizon. Yes. Doesn't get better than this. And the rankings released last night. A lot of debate going on in the college football world, guys. Yeah, absolutely. You probably, I don't know if you heard us debate it for the first 25 minutes or me open the show saying, literally, Joe, I, I think they should just do an SEC tournament. And then do a rest of the country tournament, right? Talk to me. I know there's a lot of places in these rankings we want to talk to you about. You know how I care about the little guy. I got Kevin adopting another little guy making a case. But let's start with what everybody is talking about, how the committee treated Florida. Florida was right there in that 5-6 spot. They lose at home to a below 500 team, Kev. I mean, Joe, but Kev. Everybody, whoever will listen to me, they lost to a below 500 team at home and they dropped one spot. Joe, help me make sense of that. It's unbelievable because when you looked at it a couple of weeks ago, LSU against Alabama is a 29 and a half, 30 point underdog. They got abused by Mac Jones and Devonta Smith. I mean, 55 points on that LSU defense. They then go on the road to the Swamp, and Max Johnson lights up that defense. 236 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And Florida, from a defensive perspective, did not have answers for basically 22 sophomores and freshmen that started that game for LSU. Amazing. I can't believe that the committee put uh, Florida where they are right now, but it's uh, the ultimate debate in college football. It is what it is, and we're going to have to make the best of it moving forward this coming Saturday. 
You know, Joe, for years, and you know this, uh, there's this conversation around an SEC bias. And I think sometimes it was overblown because, you know, if the SEC is the best conference in the country, okay. But I do not view this season as one where the SEC should be making up 50% of our top eight. I've always found Georgia ranked too high. And the reason ultimately Florida's not going to fall further is because they have this head-to-head win over Georgia. I mean, when you, like, and the one thing that people try and say is, well, if these two teams were to play today on a neutral, who are you taking? I mean, Joe, are you telling me for sure that you have Florida beating Oklahoma, Coastal, USC, Cincinnati? Because after I just watched them lose at home as 23-and-a-half-point favorites, I don't feel that way. Yeah, that's a great point, Kevin. I'm a big proponent of on any given Saturday, anything could happen, especially in college football. If you've watched this year, we've seen a number of 20, 25-point underdogs win the ball Mm -hmm. game outright. I mean, it's just been the landscape of college football. I don't know if it's due to the pandemic and the preparation in terms of the COVID environment and protocols, but you're absolutely right. And I think perception is always a key, right? We always talk about the perception of teams. Teams, you know, 8-0 or 8-2 or 9-1, they're great teams. But when you break it down from the statistic standpoint and, and breaking it down, who did they beat? Who did they lose to? You get a better perception about, you know, this team is good, but they're not elite and it's unfortunate but you know the eye test for a lot is basically what holds weight for the college football committee the name recognition florida goes more in terms of the sponsorship and tv dollars than let's say coastal carolina or cincinnati for that matter yeah absolutely you know you talk about on any given saturday or in the pros on any given sunday and that's part of the rationale why some of these you know teams like in ohio state that just hasn't played a lot of games do they get credit because they they don't have to go through the risk of any given saturday in the way some of these other teams had to and got through their gauntlet right and survive and still have that bagel on the right side of their record so i understand the idea of the perception i understand the idea of the sponsors the television the eyes on sets right but i want to ask you about uh power five conferences joe you have been big on usc out west right usc is undefeated usc now stands at their conference championship game they will be seeing the oregon ducks not the washington huskies and then over in the big 12 we have two teams fighting for a conference championship in iowa state and oklahoma the top four seems pretty solidified we can get into kind of if they lose in the conference championship matchups and stuff like that talk to me in a vacuum an undefeated conference champion at the Pac-12 USC measuring up against whoever wins that game in the Big 12, whether it's Iowa State or Oklahoma. Which of those two candidacies do you like best, and do you think the rankings treated those two conferences fairly? An undefeated USC winning this weekend versus whoever wins the Big 12 championship. How do you think those two squads would stack up? Well, I, I don't think that they fared well in terms of, you know, giving credit to the Pac-12 and USC yeah. in any given, you know, breakdown. I can't believe that they have Oklahoma and Iowa State both with two losses ahead of an undefeated USC team when we see Ohio State sitting at 5-0 and and number four in the country that basically has the same body of work up until this point. Hmm. The reason why Ohio hmm. State is four is based off their performance last year where they pu- pu- uh, pushed Clemson to 
the limit and lost 29-23 in the college football playoff. I think if USC played Oklahoma or Iowa State right here, right now, this coming Saturday, they'd be a favorite in my opinion. I think they're clearly one of the top 10 teams in the nation and can push for a top four spot as long as they dominate the Oregon Ducks. They have a Heisman Trophy candidate at the quarterback position in Keaton Slovis, two big play wide receivers in Tyler Vaughns and St. Brown, and they have Drake London, one of the best tight ends in college football, and their defense is very athletic that can run sideline to sideline. So I think if they matched up against Iowa State, they would be favored in that matchup, and they'd be a pick basically against Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler, they definitely have the inside edge in terms of experience at the quarterback position. You know, Joe, it's funny, but as we've gone on with the college football playoff, I think Dane is probably realizing that I am not only a fan of chaos, but I have a lot of issues with college football playoffs similar to himself. But now that I feel like Notre Dame is secure, we can really pull back and start to pick apart these issues. And I think he was very kind there to Ohio State. Because at the end of the day, right, your USC Trojans, who check in at 13, looks like a 5-0 and team. It's being penalized for being a 5-0 and team and not wildly impressive in the 5-0. and Little Steelers-esque for me. Give them credit for the results, but boy, has the path there. I mean, the Arizona State and the UCLA wins. I mean, they could easily be 3-2, and but they're 5-0. and So you give them credit for being 5-0. and But here's Ohio State, same exact record, fourth team in the country. And after watching what happened with Florida, You cannot say, oh, yeah, they would have won. You can't do it. You can't say that. Is Ohio State better than Florida? Yeah, I think so. Like to see him play to find out, Joe. And I don't understand how the college football playoff does not give us a bare minimum of what they needed to get in there. This looks ridiculous. Bama's played and Notre Dame twice as many games as the Ohio State Buckeyes. Like, Cincinnati is at eight. Even Florida and Iowa State are at ten games played. I don't understand how the college football playoff can be. And, yeah, I understand because of the money, Joe. So I guess maybe I'm just asking you about the integrity of it all. It just feels like a real slap in the face to see Ohio State at four, to see Coastal at 12, USC at 13. There's no consistency anywhere in this top 25. None. Kevin, if there were, let's say, 15 or 20 college football fans in a room, right, and they were debating in terms of the rankings, there would be no doubt that 99% of them, right or wrong, would still say, oh, yeah, Ohio State's one of the top four teams in the country. You know, show me why that is. They couldn't tell you. You know, it would be mm-hmm. based off of the 2019 season. Justin Fields, they dominated the Big Ten competition, 9-0 and last year, won those games by 33 points per game, pushed Clemson to the limit. That would be their argument. They don't have an argument this year. I mean, when Michael Penix lights up your secondary for 491 passing yards, five touchdowns, and you beat Indiana, the 10th-ranked team in the nation, as a 21-and-a-half-point favorite by seven points, you really don't have an argument argument, but we'll look at that game on the road in East Lansing, where they were minus basically 35 scholarship players, and they won that matchup 52-12, to and that's going to be their comeback in terms of why Ohio State is in the college football playoff. Doesn't make it right or wrong, but that's what they're going to use, that one game on the road against a mediocre Michigan State team that lost to Rutgers, and that's going to be basically the argument. So, I agree with you 100%. I haven't seen enough out of Ohio State this 
year in terms of their resume, which warrants them being the top four team in the country. Now, if they win the Big Ten championship against a solid blue-collar team in Northwestern, number one ranked defense in terms of the Big Ten, then maybe we'll, I'll scratch my head and say, you know what? Yeah, they deserve to be in. But based off where they are right now, I can't say they're the fourth best team in the country. And quickly, Dan, I'll just say, you know yep. this, if they would have put a minimum of eight games to get into the college football playoff, Ohio State finds a way to play eight games. We know that. Oh, yeah. They would have found a way to play eight games. But because they let them skate by, they sat there and finally said, it doesn't matter. They know, we know they're putting us in. And then they just got to yeah. sit there while teams like Florida are like, – and that's the thing. Florida took a risk going up against LSU in that game. Coastal and BYU are scheduling these crazy matchups. It's, it's just – it's so embarrassing, this top 25. I think it's embarrassing for the sport. We got more time with Joe Lisi on the other side of the break. You know, I find it interesting when they do going into March Madness, the blind resumes, where they don't give you the team who it is and just literally stack up the resume. I got a resume for you, Joe. When we come back, I want to get your thoughts. And then we got a lot of conference championship games to break down, which is going to be the last piece of this puzzle. We'll do that when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kevin, we got our guy Joe Lisi going for the two here, looking at the college football standings and, of course, some of the conference championship games that'll be going on this week. This is going to be one of the best weekends for college football with, by my count, seven championship games that really will have an impact, if it's not on the top four, at least on things like New Year's Day bowls and, you know, big-time opportunities for programs. Joe, you know I've been pounding the table for Cincinnati all season long as a kind of uh, group of five team that could get in. They fall being idle. All right, whatever. No one's going to buy this. You didn't even buy them all season. Every week you were like, this could be the week, but yet they still stand there undefeated. I want to give you another team, though, Joe. This is a team that is also undefeated. This is a team that will play for their conference championship and potentially win it. This is a team that has two wins over teams that were announced last night as being in the top 20. Two wins over teams in the top 20. I'm talking about Coastal Carolina, Joe, who has wins over Louisiana Lafayette, over BYU, and you're talking about like what kind of notch in the belt it would be for Ohio State to beat a Northwestern team, which is right there at the same level as Lafayette, right there at the same level as BYU, and you know Coastal has done it, and as you see right there, they've done it 11 times this season and don't have a blemish. Talk to me about you know where they are in the rankings, blah blah blah. How you think they're going to go in the Sun Belt Championship game? But seriously. What is the body of work and resume of the Chanticleers? 
I think it's been phenomenal, uh, Dane, in terms of, you know, their body of work. A lot of people wrote this team off when they were uh, in the top 25 uh, rankings at the early part of the year when they did go on the road to face UL Lafayette, a veteran UL Lafayette team, and they basically shut down Levi Lewis and Eliza Mitchell in that matchup as basically a double-digit underdog and won the game outright. And then from that point, they just catapulted into the top 10 in terms of the eye test. They dominated BYU a physical BYU team rushed for over 280 yards on that defense and followed that up with a gutty road win against Troy last week, 35-30, to trailing with a minute left in that ballgame. Grayson McCall led the comeback, and here they are playing for a conference championship. They can run the football with C.J. Maribel, shut down the run, and the most important thing is that they force turnovers entering this battle against UL Lafayette, plus 11 in turnover margin. So it's going to be a dynamic a game at home uh, for the Chanticleers. I think it comes down to UL Lafayette possibly taking Coastal Carolina lightly in that week uh, matchup earlier in the year. I think they come to play here. They did not look good a couple of weeks ago against Appalachian State, but they're a veteran team. I think they get back on track with an extra week of preparation. I think this is the week that Coastal falls. I think it's going to be a very close game but in the end, give me UL Lafayette plus the three and a half. I also like them on the money line on the road against Coastal in this matchup. Joe, before I ask you about the next game, I, I maybe uh, Dan will probably have to do that because I, I actually want to ask you something about Coastal specifically. Because first of all, there are three teams. Dang, let's forget top 20. Top 19 wins. Two of them. Right. Sure. Bama, Notre sure. Dame, Coastal. <laughs> Bama, Notre Dame, Coastal. Only teams in the country with two top 19 wins. They check in at 12. Can you give me a point of reference, Coastal Carolina, compared to that UCF team that won the national championship when they beat Auburn in that bowl game, how Coastal stacks up to that UCF team? I think a team that really did start to challenge the college football playoff a bit. I know people think it was laughable. I personally don't. What do you think about Coastal relative to a team like that? I think it's completely opposite in the sense of, you know, a contrast in styles, Kevin. You know, UCF is an offense that basically put up over 600 yards of total offense, and they tried to outscore teams. So, you know, in terms of being enamored with UCF, challenging Alabama from a physicality perspective, a lot of people said, oh, on a neutral field, they just couldn't beat a team from the SEC uh, for that matter. But I think when you look at Coastal, the biggest difference is the physicality on the offense and defense defensive lines. They can rush the football, pounding the rock for over 200. They're very solid in run support, only giving up 137 rushing yards per game. They force teams to work down the field, and they are physical in terms of tackling and forcing turnovers. So in that type of situation, in my opinion, against more mature physical teams, they can go toe-to-toe with those teams. Now, would they win a matchup against Florida or Ohio State on a neutral field? Probably not, but I still think they could show well and be in the matchup and anything could happen so that's the difference from UCF is that they did it with a lot of flash Coastal just does it with hard work and grinds out victories against uh, inferior competition 
Yeah, I mean, there's so many of these potential uh, round of 16 matchups that I would love to see actually play out. But that's another topic for another day. Let's talk about the Big 12 championship game here, Joe. We got Iowa State and Oklahoma. And I got to tell you the God's honest truth. I sort of forgot about the Big 12 and kind of put them away when Oklahoma State was up at like five or six. And then they fell by the wayside. But what do you know? Iowa State keeps on chugging along. Oklahoma has really really rebounded from some of their September losses and are playing well. Is the door open for whoever wins the Big 12 championship to maybe crash the party? And uh, who do you think it'll be? Well, I think they would need major upsets this coming Saturday. They they would need Clemson to just dominate Notre Dame by 20 or more. They would need Florida to upset Alabama. They would need Northwestern to just dominate Ohio State. I think that's the only way the Big 12 gets into the conversation uh, for the college football playoff. That being said, I think it's a rematch of earlier in the year. Really, Joe? Wait, what if Notre Dame Dame beats Clemson handily and you have a two-loss Clemson no conference champion against right. a two-loss Big 12 champion, say for a four spot, right? Alabama's in. The Irish are in. Ohio State, sure. If Clemson loses that game to the Irish and Iowa State, let's say, they'd both be two losses. Iowa State would have a conference championship moniker and the win over the Sooners, right? And they don't have far to go. They're sitting six right now. That wouldn't be enough to maybe hop a Clemson if they lost to the Irish? Maybe Clemson, but what about Texas A&M? I think the committee would put They're Texas idle. A&M with Jimbo Fisher with one loss just because it's Texas A&M. Over the A&M Big 12 conference SEC. champion. Yep. The Big would, 12 conference losses, champion. All right. With two losses right. in this type of situation, yeah, I think they would. Uh, you know, the fact right. that Texas A&M hasn't budged in terms of that type of, you know, uh, week-to-week assessment, and they're sitting at number six. And and the college football uh, world seems to be enamored with their defense, which I personally it's don't crazy. see it, guys. I just don't see That's it. Crazy, That's crazy, Joe. A&M at there. five, then the team at six with a top-ten win in a conference championship game wouldn't hop over the team one spot ahead of them who played idle because and then play for their type- conference championship? In that type of argument, Dane, then they would bring up the loss to UL Lafayette. And they would say that Texas A&M's only loss would be on the road to Alabama at the start of the year. They would find a way to spin it. You know that they would. They would. I do. I do. I just think it's ridiculous. You're absolutely right. Who do you think will be standing? Who will be standing as the Big 12 champion after Saturday? I think it'll, it will be Oklahoma, and the difference for me is that, you know, earlier in the year when they played in names, they did not have a consistency in terms of the offensive line and the rushing attack with Stevenson. They only pounded the rock for 114 in that matchup. They didn't look good a couple of weeks ago against Baylor, only rushed for 34 yards against that defense. But I think in a rematch with this type of situation, you look at Iowa State up against another physical offensive line at the end of the year, Texas. Texas and B. John Robinson had great success running the football on that defense. I think it's a turn of events in this matchup. Spencer Rattler and the crew do get about a double-digit win. I think it's 10 points, very close early on, but the speed and physicality of Oklahoma is the difference in this matchup. I would just say quickly, I disagree. I think Texas A&M is loose-leaf paper. I think they're easy to jump over. I think the winner of the Big 12 game gets – I think the winner of the Big 12 championship game gets in front of them if it's for a final four spot. If it doesn't matter, 
as I I, I don't think the committee cares. They'll just toss them at six. They don't care because the committee stops caring once they've done their job and put the four teams in. What do you think of this SEC title game here, Joe? I've been tossing around, hey, maybe Florida hangs around here, people writing them off. I've been told I'm crazy. Uh, It's going to be a four or five touchdown victory for the Crimson Tide. Florida is seven. I don't know. Maybe they could still get in. What do you think for the SEC title game? Well, I don't know about getting in. I think that they can challenge Alabama's defense vertically. That's the one thing in terms of challenging Alabama. You need to attack them vertically with seam routes, post patterns. You can't run sideline to sideline, which is basically the strength of their linebackers and nickelbacks. But Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, give them the best opportunity to do that. Going to be very critical on a neutral field for Florida to start fast in this ballgame. They cannot fall behind 7 nothing, 14 nothing. Uh, to Mac Jones and Devonta Smith from an emotional perspective after that loss to LSU, I, I think they'd get blown out in terms of that situation. But if they can start fast, put the pressure on Mac Jones to match them score for score, I think they could cover the 17.5 point number. If they can get into the fourth quarter, anything could happen. But that defense must get better, especially in run support going up against Najee Harris and that physical offensive line of Alabama going to be very difficult. I think Florida can win a game in a high-scoring type of situation where they get, like, just the way they did to Georgia, jump up after they trailed in that matchup, but just put the pedal to the metal and look to put up 50 on Alabama just the way Ole Miss did at the earlier part of the season. Hey, Joe, every week you tell me that Cincinnati should be on upset alert, but they still have no losses. They've been on pause for a while, but they have a conference championship game as well against, you know, ranked in the top 25 Tulsa. Imagine another quality win on the horizon, potentially for the Bearcats. How would you see this game breaking out to crown a champion in the American? I'm going to shock you, Dean. I'm, I'm buying into Desmond Ritter and the Cincinnati Look Bearcats. Double digits Better late than never, you know, brother, man. Well, here's the thing about Tulsa that I don't like. They have a tendency to start slow. And if they start slow against the Cincinnati defense, they're going to become one-dimensional. There's still inconsistency at the quarterback position. So they cannot do that in this matchup. I just think offense and defensive line play is more, much more physical for Cincinnati and superior. And, and Desmond Ritter does not turn the football over. He's a mobile quarterback. That's given Tulsa some problems this year from a defensive perspective. And when you force turnovers the way and the rate that Cincinnati does, you're going to dominate this matchup, especially playing at home. Uh, I think they can win this ball game handily 20 points or more on Saturday. How about that? Comes around on Cincinnati right at the final hour. See, Joe, quickly, before, we get you, before we get you out of here, <laughs> we got Notre Dame and Clemson. In my opinion, Notre Dame's already done enough to stay inside the top four, especially once UNC obliterated Miami. Dabo thinks Clemson could lose the game, which I think is hilarious. Who knows? He's probably right. What do you make of this conference title matchup? We got a minute left, Joe. Well, yeah, I like Clemson, guys. Uh, you know, the fact that they were able to run the football last week for over 200 yards, that's going to be a huge difference in terms of this matchup. They were a one-dimensional offense at the middle part of the year. The offensive line playing much better. I think they challenged Notre Dame over the top, jump up early. I think it's lights out. Sorry about that, Dame, uh, Dane and Kevin, but I think Clemson is far superior in this matchup. 
That's fair enough. Hey, Joe, can you stick around with us for like two more minutes on the other side of the break? Because we had seven conference championship games to get to. I think we've only gotten to six. There's one more I want to ask you about, because if the upset gets pulled there, then our chaos theory could still be live. I want to see if you think there's a chance with one of the best defenses in the country to pull an upset. And we'll ask you that on the other side of the break here in the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, trying to make sense of the standings and who still has a shot to win a college football championship, Joe, all year long. Conferences, teams, the country have been bending over backwards to make sure Ohio State is one of those four. Now they stand on the precipice in their conference championship game, even though they didn't have enough games to qualify for it. They're still there, but they play Northwestern who is number 14 in the country, and everybody has a defense. Oh, would it be so 2020 for Northwestern to pull the upset and then see what the committee does. As you can hear, I'm cheering for it. I'm hoping for it. Does it have a chance to happen, Joe? I think it does, Dane. This line, to me, is very fishy right now. I mean, I think it should be 21, 21 and a half, even though, you know, uh, Northwestern is 6 and 1 on the year. And the fact that it's under 21 has me leading believe that Northwestern is going to come in this matchup. The one thing I like, 30% third down defense, plus 6 in turnover margin, very solid in run support. Where are the points going to come from? I don't know. Peyton Ramsey needs to jump up early, but I think they can cover this number. This is actually one of my better bets for this coming Saturday over Ohio State. Rematch of a couple of years ago where they didn't cover the large Mm -hmm. number, but they did force a a four-quarter game in that matchup Mm -hmm. against JTT Barrett. And Joe, quickly, Pac-12 title game, USC, small line here against Oregon, who's lost two in a row, but they're replacing UW. It's a Friday matchup. It's going to really get us rolling here for the conference weekend. What do you make of this matchup? Yeah, I just don't see a a situation where USC doesn't uh, win this game and win it handily. I know they struggled against UCLA. That was a rivalry game. But with the eye on the prize, and that's to win the Pac-12 championship and possibly crack the college football playoff, I think they go all out. Superior team on both sides of the ball than Oregon is this year. Thank you so much, Joe, as always, for spending some time with us every Wednesday. I mean, we're here, right? Because next Wednesday, we'll have bowls to preview. And that good old term, the body of work, will be finished for all of these teams. And we will see how they stack up, who has gripes, and if any of our chaos theory actually came in. We'll got plenty to talk about next week. But thanks for spending some time with us this week, Joe, as always. Anytime, guys. Absolutely. Hour number two of the early line where we turn our attention to the NFL is up next with Kevin and Dane here on the early line.